0: chat podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Hello everyone, it's Matt Burns here for the HR chat show and I'm sitting again this week for Bill. This week we're chatting with Kareem Lassard, CEO at 7 Simple Machines, a Seattle-based agile software development company with expertise in HR working across multiple industries. Today Kareem and I are going to chat about a topic that's very close to my heart, agile methodologies within HR. Kareem. Welcome to the HR Chat Show.
1: Thank you so much, Matt. I'm really excited to be here.
0: So, Kareem, agile in HR, I have been talking about this ad nauseum for the better part of two years. Uh, Why don't you walk our audience through your definition of agile as it pertains to HR?
1: Thanks. Yeah, I will, Matt. Um, The thing about agile, specifically in HR, and I know that there are some relatively precise decisions around uh, definitions of of agile. In, uh, in software development, but specifically as it relates to HR, there are some principles that you want to adhere to. And um, those principles uh, are really pretty universal, If whether it's in HR and other businesses. And it's, it's being able to um, come up with a really good problem statement or coming up with a vision of what it is that you're trying to accomplish, being willing to actually take a take a chance around creating a hypothesis around what you want what you want to accomplish and then starting to accumulate some information some, some data that's going to support that hypothesis and then being able to, to get build your case and actually have some have some stakeholders buy into what you're doing and then more than anything else, give yourself permission to take some chances and just iterate talk to people about it iterate, iterate, iterate until you get to something that, that feels good. So Agile for HR, to me, it's, it's building that case, taking some chances, and iterating.
0: That's great, and I think you know, for those who are listening, they understand and appreciate that that is really a lot of what HR is doing, it's this constant iterative process, but I think most of us have worked in organizations where waterfall methodology is the predominant project management approach. Can you just give us a quick little explanation on differences between product, uh, sorry, waterfall methodologies and Agile methodologies?
1: Yeah. Waterfall methodologies are actually um, really useful in in certain industries where certainly where you're, you're uh, you have to establish resources uh, far in advance. So if, if you're, if you're, know that you have a timeline that you need to adhere to and that you've got resources that you really need to fix over the span of that time frame, then you can use a work back from a, from a project planning standpoint to say, you know, this is, this is how our project needs to work. We need to have X completed by this date and Y completed by this date and then get Z completed by this date because this is how we want everything to, to, to unfold relative to meeting that firm date. Agile has a... It has a far more fluid, far more flexible methodology. It's a different approach. And just being able to say, you know, look, we're going to take these, these small pieces of work that we're going to advance and get value out of. Um, that's, that can be um, surprising if, if you go through and take these small pieces of work and you advance and then build from what you completed and then make another advance and build from what you've completed. You'd be surprised at the direction that you might, you might end up going because it is what's most efficient or because where you're seeing the most value. But if you were to use an agile methodology versus a waterfall methodology, the waterfall methodology, you really scrub out your opportunity for being able to, um, to be flexible and, and, um, and take advantage of maybe unforeseen opportunities. Using an agile methodology, you get to evaluate at the end of each, whatever you want to call it, a cycle or, or development cycle or sprint, you get to evaluate what's working and what's not working. And you can really, you can you can put more time and energy into things that you may have discovered that you just otherwise didn't even realize could be an opportunity.
0: That's a really great explanation. And it's exactly for me why I love agile methodology. I'll be, I'm an unabashed fan of it. Um, and I say this based on experience, Kareem. So uh, I've led some large transformational projects in big organizations with tens of millions of dollars in budget where we would spend four, six, nine months planning out a project only to find out six months, three months into it, the whole world has changed, and yet we have a plan that's predicated on a reality that's no longer relevant. So the Agile methodology just allows us to be continually iterative in our process, and in today's economy, in today's, most organizations today, things are so fluid, it's very, it feels almost clunky to try and stick in a two-year project into an organization and just hope that it's gonna go as planned rarely does it
1: yeah yeah that's actually that's interesting Matt. that's actually how i i started learning the agile methodology it was actually several years ago i i had a a new vice president at the organization i was working with and i was tasked with actually planning a a a significant um uh uh, technology um project and it was a multi-year project and i had to go through and do it the way that we had always always done it which um you know, there's a lot of theater at times when you are trying to plan a project that um, uh, that is several years out. You, you have to do your best in terms of um, making some estimates. But when I ultimately presented it to her, she said, how how can you possibly feel good about this? And I said, well, what are you talking about? It's the way we've always done it. And she said, you cannot commit other other parts of the organization or even commit to success in any aspect of, of, of your own business. Um, without being able to go through and learn as you, as you go along and, and, and start to make progress. And that was really profound to me as, as, I, as I internalized that, I realized if I had learned this you know, way earlier in my career, I would have been um, far more productive and probably far more successful.
0: Well, that's just the general nature of learning, isn't it, Kareem? Yeah, that's
1: yeah. That's funny.
0: <laughs> we all, I think, we all have those stories. I was using an agile
1: approach, yes. <laughs> yeah, to
0: your career. Me as well. Uh, so let's talk a bit about more practicality. So I think we've gone through the kind of the theoretical, um, and I hope that the folks listening have got a chance to kind of understand the differences between the two of them. Let's talk about the practical application of agile within within an HR context. Yeah. And let me give you an example. So. Um, One question I get a lot from the HR global audience that I talk to is in the technological context. Most folks right now either have technologies they're looking to implement or looking to replace and they're looking to do this for a number of reasons. Maybe it's because they're looking to increase their employment branding. Maybe they're looking to enhance the employee experience. In a lot of cases, looking to reduce costs because they're trying to be more efficient with their time and their resources. So in a situation where we were trying to basically swap out an HR technology, maybe talk us through high level, what your approach would be in kind of a few simple steps.
1: Yeah. So um, one of the things, I, I mean, the first thing that, um, that I always recommend is really getting very firm on what the problem statement is. Um, because even if you, before you get started, you know, you're talking about swapping out a particular technology. How do you know that's the right thing to do? How do, how do you know that that's what you want to do first? Um, and so in in fact, more than anything else, you were, you were mentioning with your, with your, um, your example of a large organization spending, you know, millions and months planning that, um, <laughs> you know what, that's even better than most, because I feel like, whether it's waterfall or it's agile actually taking the time to plan appropriately is really really appropriate is is really important and undervalued and so we use sort of a guideline we look at you know 60% of your resources should go into planning and 40% are going to actually go into execution and if you don't do that then ultimately the last 20% of your project is going to cost three times as much and take three times as, as long as the first 80% so I look at I look at this as planning, and the first step to planning is getting the right problem statement articulated so once you go through and you understand what what it is that you want to accomplish then it's making sure that you've got a good vision around what you think that it might look like um, if you If you are swapping out a a, 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 a say for instance a payroll system um, how do you want things to go? You know, how do you how do you want things to work? Are you gonna? Do you expect you're gonna get efficiencies out of it? Do you expect that you're gonna reduce risk out of it? But you need to be able to quantify the benefits of what you're going to get from engaging in this particular this this, uh, this particular initiative. So that really, by your start is you're doing a little planning by asking the right questions, making sure that you're understanding your problem statement establishing your vision, and then really creating your hypothesis. And so hypothetically, if we swap out our payroll system, we are going to see, we're going to reduce a bunch of risk, and we're going to see a lot of upside because we're going to reduce the amount of time that our employees have to spend doing, you know, uh, interacting with the system or it's going to be a better interaction with the system. So that's, I really look at framing the project up properly on the front end.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And I can speak from personal experience again, when I say that we've, in some projects I've worked on done a poor job of doing that where the actual outcomes are different depending on who you ask and then it inevitably leads to some disappointment or some finger pointing on the other end of the project when you realize that you have only achieved a portion of your goals because sometimes they're competing um, so such a great point around framing up the problem and making sure you're clear about what the expectations around outcomes really are uh, and in terms of agile methodologies Kareem, I'm, I mean I, what I'm hearing is uh, really, a nice blend between that qualitative and that quantitative. So, what I've heard you say a couple times is that it's an iterative process. That it's all about allowing kind of the project to unfold as it naturally would in the cadence of an organization. Uh, but I've heard a real strong emphasis on measurement and around setting kind of clear goals and guidelines. Maybe talk to us through a bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that's really important. In fact, that's the you, you really can't you you really can't be successful if you don't know where you know what you're trying to achieve, right? So there, there does have to be, you do have to establish a case so that you understand whether you're, you're successful in meeting your objectives. And so, and from a case, I, I like to look at it in a couple of ways. You need to, if, you, if you've got your, your let's call it your technology hypothesis, once you've got your hypothesis in place, then you can say, okay, well, what's that worth to us, Right um, what's the, and it's really easy. People often use, you know, ROI to be able to say like, well, this is the the upside uh, of that. And so it's, it's important to, to capture a, a metric there. Um, and it's, I actually, I'm coming from a banking background. I really like to lean on, um, downside risk avoidance sounds like a fancy term, right? Um, but that downside risk avoidance is basically using an actuarial calculation to say, well, what's the potential risk that we might avoid by engaging in this project? And by doing that, it's—I mean, this is this is how insurance companies work. But really, what you're doing is you're putting a, attaching a price tag um, or a cost to doing nothing, right? So if you weren't to take any action, there is there is a a cost there potentially if there's if there's risk associated without without uh, taking some kind of action. Um, so I like to have that metric that, and, and what, what the, the cost of avoiding some risk might be. I like to have that metric as well as the upside or the ROI. Um, but then I like to have like in my, in my back pocket, um, I also like to have some statements about other benefits that we're going to have that are, that are, as you say, Matt, um, qualitative, right? So you want to have some quant, but you want to have some qualitative stuff too, that says, you know, there might be, we expect that we're going to have a better user experience and we're going to have, or we're going to have, we're going to increase employee retention, which that is um, it might start subjective, but in the spirit of being iterative, you might be able to take some of those more qualitative ideas and start to apply measurement to them. You can say, well, well, how much does attrition really cost us? Could we, could we actually reduce that number? What's it, what's it, if it costs us, uh, if, our, if our attrition rate is 10% annually and it costs us X number of dollars, well, if we reduce that number, there is a benefit in that regard as well. So things that, things that actually start qualitative can end quantitatively as well. And the idea is to be as crisp as you can in developing your case. Because if, if you can be very crisp, those are numbers that everyone can get on board with. People get it, and that's a way that your idea can get legs, too.
0: It's a common language what it sounds like. Yep. So Kareem, we're talking about agile methodologies and I don't think it's a stress to suggest that there's a portion of our audience that may not have used them in the past in their their working world. What is the, in terms of your expertise or in terms of your, um, your own opinions on this, where are some good places to go to to get a real good summary of agile methodologies? Do you have any recommendations on resources or potentially mailing lists or blogs or websites that would be helpful in that regard?
1: You know, that's a, that's a great question. So here, here's the thing. The best thing to do, in, in my opinion, is to actually talk to somebody who actually to, – to a practitioner. And, and I say that because it's really easy when you get online or if you if you read – if you're reading blogs or you're reading resources, it's – I think oftentimes people get um, – they believe that there's a notion of, like, a, a pure agile methodology, which – it's in theory, it's it's possible, but in reality, there's almost always a blend of what works from an implementation standpoint. So I would say more than anything else, talk to people that you may have interacted with that have experience as sort of agile practitioners, because then you have an understanding. You can look at. I mean. You can go to uh, you know Wikipedia and you can see what the definition is and what some of the key tenants are. But to really understand practice of it, it's really useful to talk to people that are and and I, you can use you know people that are in in software development. You can use people that are that are in um, already in HR. There's some people that are using it in those spaces, but it's even across industries. So find somebody that you know that's actually doing it and take some time, spend some time with them to see how they. Say, for instance, go through their daily stand-up, their daily scrum, or if they use things like uh, to, uh, project management tools like Kanban boards. Like those are those experiences are worth um, a, a thousand times what reading something online looks like.
0: You stole my thunder, Kareem. That was exactly my recommendation. So uh,
1: I'm sorry, Matt.
0: That's okay. You know, that's that's the beauty of doing a podcast is that you don't know how things are going to play out. But what I can tell our audience is that in my previous projects that's exactly what we did so we knew that we did not have the resources to be able to stand up a quote-unquote proper waterfall methodology we just simply did not have the dedicated project team to make it happen so we knew that agile was a way for us to do things in a more of an iterative way and our first our first phone calls were to scrum masters and to organizations that have used agile methodologies and other projects So we could glean some insights out of that and inform our own project management behavior. So I completely agree with what you're saying. It's ask that expert, it's contextualizing the theory into practical application of it, because ultimately you're right, the tenants and the definition is great from an understanding of the theoretical, but when it gets down to those sprints that you're doing in an agile project, you need to be able to understand where your watch points are and understand how you need to bend and flex this methodology, especially if it's new in an organization, it fits your organization's cultures and ways of working.
1: That's right, that's right. It really, it's, it's about, it's about um, making, it's about optimizing your organization and your ability and in some cases just a really rigid implementation um, just might be really wrong for you. So I, Chris, I, You know what, actually, let me, let me build on that for just a second, Matt, too. Yeah, I was gonna make the comment, there are some instances where um, some advantages that that uh, waterfall methodology might have, you know, over over an agile methodology and really as it relates to organizations, you know, the organization that you're at um, uh, or and, and at a, if you're at an organization that is tends to be more traditional, it might be a really tough sell to tell people and sort of set up a project like well, we don't know exactly what we're going to get in this time frame, but we would like to get to this, you know, over the next three months, we would like to get this product implemented. Um, that, you know, finance isn't usually really excited about um, leaving things up to chance like that. As well as everyone, you know, sitting on top of their budgets, it feels like it's just a, you know, you're, it's, it's Pandora's box. And it's some of those organizational um, let's, let's uh, sort of fixed variables or, you know, sort uh, expectations that you really start to run into how you blend an agile methodology with, um, with a waterfall approach. It's really understanding what's necessary from your organization to see success. Um, but if you can take things like, okay, well, let's break this project into very small pieces. Let's focus on getting value at every iteration and let's, um, let's go through this process of really, um, evaluating our, our success relative to the last, you know, the last iteration. That's, um, those are things that you can do in almost every instance.
0: Love that. And I'm so glad you interrupted me to say that answer. It's fantastic. Uh, one more question for you Kareem, which is we're talking about agile methodologies. I'm certain that in your experience, you've seen some things that are absolute watch outs, some things that are absolutely no goes what are one or two examples of things that you think as somebody who's exploring agile methodology more frequently to just try and avoid going forward? Yeah,
1: actually just to to keep pressing on this, the, um, the one of the biggest risks that you that you might run into uh, there, there's actually uh, two things. One is just being super rigid in your approach. Again, that's that you buy a textbook and you say that this is the way it's going to go, and being really sort of tone deaf to how it needs to adapt to your organization. That is a real risk. the the other The other risk, and and I would say, maybe even more importantly, um, it's not it's not licensed. It's not licensed to go through um, and not plan. It's not a matter of saying, Oh yeah, we're just kind of see where this thing goes. You do have to have a vision and you do need to plan and you need to kind of, you need to create a roadmap of what you'd like to get out of it, um, out of the project, but you do need to be open and willing to flex based on what you learn along the journey. And so I, I think that, I think that not applying the time to planning and thinking that it's, you're just going to allow something to unfold is a real, is a real trap. You, you don't want to do that.
0: That's a great point. Kareem, our time is up for the this episode of HR chat. Thank you so much for your time today. Where can our listeners find you?
1: Uh, they can find me at www7 Com, And uh, certainly can find me on uh, LinkedIn as well. All
0: right, Kareem, thanks for your time today. I look forward to talking to you soon.
1: Thanks so much, Matt. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.